This week, Thicknick strikes again as Isaiah shows his uh, shows us his reverse Bruno. City and Wanderers play like two teams desperately out of form, and Riley McRae is in demand in Britain, and much much more transfer chat. Here we are in January. Um, my name's Tommy C, and joining me this week is Colby. How are you, Colby? Hey, very well, very well. Just avoiding the Rona. <laughs> avoiding, avoiding the spicy cough. Can't, here we are in 2022 and, and uh, we're still talking about coronavirus and avoiding it or, or getting it. All that is old is new again, right? I know. I know. Damo, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling like I'm up uh, up Colby's way with the weather down here at the moment, but um, just trying to trying to stay cool. It has been very humid here in Melbourne for, for those who haven't been around here lately, but uh yeah, uh, look, boys. Let's let's get into the football. Lots of lots of postponements in the last week or so, but still plenty of football. Still plenty of stuff around football to talk about. So we'll we'll get into our respective moments of the week. Uh, Damo, you want to go first? Yeah, my my moment of the week has to be in just what you were talking about. All the postponements in football, uh, and the fact that every single one of the third round games went ahead in the last 48 hours of the FA Cup. And uh, it was just good to see so much football on and be able to wake up and watch highlights no end. And, yeah, it was. and there's always great stories come out of the third round of the FA Cup, and I'm sure we'll talk about a few of them later. Sure we will. Uh, Colby, what about you, mate? What was your moment? Yeah, similar. Similar, Tommy. I'm just happy to have some football this week. I just It, it really felt over the uh, Christmas break that, you know, the time where we normally get so much football, it was very disappointing not to have um, that sort of constant stream of A League and Premier League that we're that we've become so accustomed to. Um, didn't, so it didn't was nice feel like have... didn't feel like Christmas, did it? Yeah, that's right. So it, it was <laughs> nice to have some. Um, and the um, the Melbourne City Western Sydney game, which we'll talk about soon in the pod, uh, delivered the goods as well. Unexpectedly, so to be honest. Yeah, in in a weird way, but like you say, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Um, for me, uh, not COVID related, but uh, look, it's a it's a good news story to come out of, I guess, some sad news, uh, and and this is um, this is something that's been floating around West Ham for a couple of years. There's a, a young young girl, she's about I think seven years old now, uh, by the name of Isla Caton. Um, she's uh, been treated for the last two years uh, with a rare form of, of cancer. Um, and so uh, it's very expensive as well, the treatment. And so uh, the club and all of the players have been getting around her for quite some time and, um, and, and trying to help her family with, uh, with paying for that. Um, recently, though, uh, Governor B, who I've got to be honest, I'd never heard of before this, is <laughs> uh, like a, a UK rapper. I don't know if they call it UK Garage or, or not. I don't Grime. Know what, Grime, yeah. So he's a... Uh, he's a uh, an artist from over over in London, and he did basically a, a, a track that um, it was it was West Ham themed, um, and it was a, a fundraiser for it. And look, it only goes for a bit over a bit over a minute, um, uh, but it's gone basically viral in the UK, and it was like top of the. Although maybe you need to take it with a grain of salt, but it was top of the I think the the iTunes charts or or the Spotify charts or um, or, or whatever you want to call it, but um. um there was a couple of great lines from it though. I, I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd read some of them out. And a friend Rapper, of mine, Tommy, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, Name it, give him I, a beat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Where's um, Sal? But, where's Sal when you need him to coerce you? Yeah, yeah. we need some encouragement. <laughs> Jumping into the comments, but no. So. Um, uh, it starts off, I don't want to hear about KDB. It's not that time. Best midfielder at playing in the Prem. That's Declan Rice. Uh, and then it finishes with, uh, I thought this was a good one as well. Um, beat City in the cup on pens. That game was a corker. Uh, they couldn't, and they couldn't stop us. Not even the real Kyle Walker. 
which uh, I thought that was good too. And look, like I say, it only goes for about a minute. Uh, references almost every every West Ham player uh, in the squad, but just uh, I guess uh, I thought it was uh, was was good form. But uh, I know some people thought that the the song itself was a little bit cheesy, but oh, I'll enjoyed it. <laughs> songs cheese. called Massive. It's what you want, Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the song's called Massive. If anyone wants to check it out, so uh, so yeah, uh, I feel like it, uh, we were talking about this earlier in the week about the Triple J announcer and like people doing the. <laughs> uh, I felt like a Triple J announcer then, like oh, this is just like so fat chores, <laughs> making up just like some ridiculous word to describe it. <laughs> All right, boys, own goals though. Uh, Damo, what about you? Look, I, I debated this being my uh, moment of the week, but I couldn't go past uh, all the football that happened. But in one of the games that, that happened, I'm going to do it as an own goal, even though it could have gone the other way um, in classic M-Tag fashion. But there was uh, we love some, some shithousery here on the pod. And I'm not sure if you guys saw, but at the Charlton versus Norwich game, uh, which was Charlton with a home ground, at, I think at the Valley is their stadium, at halftime, they decided to show the highlights of Norwich getting relegated from the championship in the 08 09 season to the Norwich fans who are in the OAN. So I thought, I thought that was, um, could have been moment of the week, but some elite level shithousery that uh, you would hate to see as a Norwich fan. So um, look, I think that's, that's your moment of the week for everyone except the Norwich fans, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, they'll be uh, back. Yeah. Yeah, inevitably. Uh, Colby, what about you, mate? What was your own goal? Uh, my own goal this week, Tommy, it's going to AFCON. Um, the, the, the tournament's kicked off now, the African Cup of Nations, um, but they've introduced some guidelines, which the upshot is that their, their COVID guidelines are that matches have to go ahead if teams have 11 available players. Now, that doesn't include goalkeepers. So we could wow. see situations where you've got outfield players, squad players that are um, putting on the gloves and, and going in nets in a tournament of, you know, the the um, prestige that comes with the likes of AFCON. You know, it's up there with the, the Asian Cup and the Euros and, and <laughs> the, the tournaments of that nature. Uh, it's just it's just a joke. Um, so if they – and if they don't do that, um, if they have 11 available players and they don't want to stick an outfielder in nets – they can take a 2-0 forfeit, which is not a great option in tournament play, obviously. Um, and it's just going to be a shambles because, uh, like, several of the teams already have got COVID in the squads. There's, I think there's been two matches played already or something like that. Like, so they're very – it's too late to pull the pin. Like, but I just think – It's just strategic I, I don't know. timing. Maybe, maybe they've got, like, a tough uh, fixture coming up first. It's hard to say, though, because, like, <laughs> I, I guess it was, what, maybe November when Omicron sort of appeared in, in Europe uh, where a lot of the players are coming back to Africa from who are playing in this tournament and it all came out of uh, South Africa, I believe. And um, yeah, so I don't know how early or how late is too late to pull the pin, but like the Euros showed that they could pull the pin successfully um, due to COVID reasons and then come back and play at another time. But uh, yeah, AFCON didn't, didn't manage that and um, it remains to be seen how um, cooked this tournament will be. Surely, um, you know, Zimbabwe plays Senegal tonight. Senegal, one of the favourites to go um, all the way. In Zimbabwe, not known for their football, we could say. Surely you'd, you'd throw a few uh, false positives in, in there like Klopp if you just wanted a 2-0 loss. 100%. 100%. Walk yourself through 2-0 instead of losing 4 or 5-0. Colby, <laughs> any thoughts on that or...? No, it's not that strap. Clock banter yeah. in there. Don't mind it. <laughs> he won't take the bait, don't he? Don't associate Klopp with Afcon. He's suffered enough. He's gone through enough. He's like he's hated by African journalists. So. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Leave my boy Klopp alone. Is, Klopp is the real victim here. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> All right. Uh, for for me, my own goal this week. Uh, it's it's a little bit hard to go past. Uh, I guess people sort of uh, collectively losing their minds at FPL um, in the wake of all the cancellations and postponements. Um, so you and Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. And I think out of all, yeah. <laughs> I think out of all the people that are that play FPL like reasonably uh, competitively, like we're we're both just sitting there going, 
what the hell is going on? So um, it started out where we had sort of the first wave of cancellations over the Christmas New Year period, uh, and they, they brought out a, a free hit, which means you can basically for one week only, you can pick whoever you want, and then your team reverts back at the completion of that week. And now, uh, like I think they thought that that would sort of maybe just put a put a band-aid over what is really going to be a problem for for quite a while and we're seeing now just like cancellation after cancellation after cancellation and it's to kind of making a bit of a, a bit of a joke of the of the, of the, the game and, and it makes it almost unplayable to the point where like there's no skill involved it's purely just down to luck and whoever actually ends up playing more than uh, more than anything so look it is it is tough but uh, i did see some people out there suggesting that like next season they should bring out like you, you should have extra players on your bench or you it should be 110 million and i thought you're trying to break the game for what is like a once in a hundred year event. Like it might mean that FPL is just broken for a, another 12 months or something like that. And if that's the case, well, that's the case, but give us five um, subs, uh, Tommy, five subs, <laughs> <laughs> five subs, three goalkeepers. And, and you've got 127 million to spend. <laughs> only five substitutes in some competitions and others are three and you don't know which is which. And you're like, why don't why don't they just use their fourth sub? And you realise that they don't have four subs. <laughs> oh, I still can't, can't remember how many subs you can make in the A League or the Premier League this season. But anyway, um, look at a couple of news uh, news uh, points from the last 24 48 hours. The first one. Um, and probably the biggest news is uh, regarding Rowan McCree. Um, it looks like he, uh, so his, his loan deal from Charlotte in the, the MLS uh, to Birmingham, he that's wound up. And so he, he's meant to be returning to the, or well, going to the, to the US uh, to play for Charlotte now. But um, it, he's quite highly in demand in, um, in Britain um, between Borough, Nottingham Forest, and, and even Celtic now are apparently... Um, uh, with Ange, uh, are apparently very interested in in Riley. And boys, I wanted to ask the the two of you, where would you like to see Riley uh, settle? At Borough, Forest, Celtic, or even Charlotte in the MLS? Uh, I think I think he's got to go to Celtic. I think it'd be a huge opportunity missed if he doesn't. He gets to play under his national team coach, uh, who he knows is a big fan of his. He knows he's going to push him and give him more opportunity in in big games and. And going to a club like Celtic, there's a lot expected of you and there's a lot of pressure and I think it's good to expose yourself to that as a young player. So I think um, if Celtic can get it over the line, that's where he'd prefer to go, I would imagine. I think Celtic need a centre mid too. Um, well, they've just signed already... two blokes oh, hey? from the J-League who are standouts in the J-League, another bit of sparky edge business. But, yeah, mm. they, they have needed midfielders. Mm. And there's already, I, I see there's already the, the fan made welcome to Celtic skills and highlights videos on YouTube. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and I, and don't, just... I don't, I'm not sure when the MLS season is actually due to start. Um, I think it, they run an opposite to, to Europe, obviously. So it's still a few months away. So um, he, he could play the end of the European season and join Charlotte, you know, I think about 10 games into the MLS season, which I imagine is what's going to happen. And I mean, he's still 23 as well. So he's like, I'm really keen to see what Magic Ange can work with him. Rogic 2.0. Um, he needs to take his game up a level. Like it's it's not now or never, but it's sort of like if he's going to be really great, now's the time to step up. Yeah, exactly. So, so the MLS the MLS starts at the end of Feb, the last weekend of February. So um, pretty much, he, he needs to go now. Otherwise, he will end up playing probably what maybe half the MLS season with uh, with Charlotte. So uh, very interesting times ahead, though. Um, uh, next up, uh, it's been sort of rumoured and talked about for quite some time about the uh, the name change of the FFA Cup to, uh, we don't know what, but it, it's starting to, it looks like it's firming up a little bit of, um, that it's going to be called the Australia Cup. Um, boys, is that just a really sensible decision? Yeah, I think you, you can't go wrong with it. It's a throwback to the original first truly national soccer tournament we had in Australia in the early 60s, which led into the, the creation of the, the NSL. So um, a throwback to that. And I think also, um, what was the name of that? The 
Mike Cockrell was a huge advocate for mm. for renaming the FFA Cup to the Australia Cup for a long time, mm. even from the the very beginning of the competition. So it'd be a good uh, good little nod to him as well. Yeah, I like that. You'll have the Mike Cockrell medal at the Australia Cup. Yep. Nice. That's and I, bad, I badly want the Knicks to win it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? The, the New Zealand team win the Australia Cup just to rub it in. Unfortunately, you, you, you don't get a. Uh, you don't get the Asian Champions League spot from from that tournament anymore after mm. Australia's coefficient has been downgraded once again. Yeah, we spoke about that when the when the news happened uh, on the pod. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge shame because that was that would have been such a good thing to really um, try and boost the the profile of the cup and and get people really interested in and to just make it matter more than just trying to build it up organically. Yeah. And uh, the the final piece of news that we'll cover, it looks like uh, Jeanu is going to be going to MacArthur Bulls. It's uh, just sort of appeared in the last couple of hours on social media. Um, boys, it's a bit of a left field uh, call, especially with um, uh, his name escapes me now. The the uh, uh, Tom Urich that he's at MacArthur Bulls, although he hasn't played uh, yet for them this season. Um, good move for the player. Good move for the club. What do you think? Cool. You can never have too much talent. And um, uh, Apostle Stiano, uh, as some listeners may or may not know, is actually George's boy. So uh, George <laughs> George is now a Mac Bulls fan, confirmed. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> George will be tuning into, tuning into more A-League games from now on, I would imagine. Loves it. Yeah, George will be waking <laughs> up at all hours to watch his boy play for Mac Bulls. Unfortunately, <laughs> we'll, we'll miss out on the updates from the, the Cypriot League. Um, mm. but that is a shame, but it'd be good to see him back <laughs> in the A League. But I, I, I feel it's a strange kind of move because don't, don't you think that Apogianu and Tommy Urich are essentially the same player? Like, wh- how, how different do they play? I, I can't think of two players that are that are more alike that are both Australian, to be honest. <laughs> Colby, you look confused. You don't agree with that? I thought I thought Apo was uh, I thought he was much more like a like a Rukovica or a slow McLaren like slower <laughs> McLaren sort of like an on the shoulder Jeez, sort of forward whereas um you know Urich is about hold up play and that I thought that would a little bit different maybe I'm maybe I'm not as much of an Apostolos fan as as uh, you know I thought but uh, we, I thought we might have to get George's input here because George yeah we need the, George the we need George to let us know yeah or <laughs> listeners any listeners let us know are, are they different. Alrighty. Um, next up, uh, round eight, or supposedly round eight of the A League. Boy, I don't think they're ready for this. <laughs> These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. Well, they're gonna make it look nice. Yeah, we look nice. Future looking nice. We don't need to tell them twice. The future. Yeah, we look nice. Future looking real nice. We don't need to tell them twice. Oh. The future. Uh, first up, Saturday night saw a repeat of the midweek FFA Cup fixture between Adelaide and the Victory. This time around, the fixture was at Amy Park in Melbourne. Um, a bit of a dour affair until almost 80 minutes before it came to life, with two goals and a red card in the final 10 minutes. Boys, another goal for Thick Nick D'Agostino, which means he's level on uh, level with Mikkel Tadze on the, the A-League Golden Boot race. Do you think he's a legit threat for the title this year or do you think Magiotto will, will steal too many minutes off of him? For the Golden Boot? Mm. Oh, I think this is the, the richest vein of form D'Agostino has ever been in his career. So if, if, he, if he continues this for the rest of the season, maybe, but um, I don't see him anywhere near the top of the Golden Boot come the end of the season and... Put some respect that. on Shagostino, Damo. He's say, on. He's on for it. Soundbite that for the uh, season review episode. <laughs> yeah, stupid. absolutely. <laughs> I'm bookmarking this. Episode no, uh, 57. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Nick's on. He's on, boys. Popper loves him. He's been playing well. He's been playing really he's been, well. He's, he's scored in his last three A-League games, I think. He's started back-to-back games, all comps. Um, you know, Popper knows him. He brought him in. Um, and he's he's starting ahead of Margiotta now too. So uh, look, I think if he keeps this vein of form up, which I, which I think he will, uh, you know, uh, who else is going to do it? Maka maybe if well, it, when Melbourne City kick into gear, I, I guess is the the obvious threat. If if they kick into gear, but I don't <laughs> think I don't think it will be um, Margiotta um, threatening. I think um, I think Shaggers can can hold him off. 
Well, um, to- Tommy, you mentioned this game was, you know, a, a snooze fest for the better part of 80 minutes. And it was um, Leighton Brooks and um, D'Agostino that really brought the game to life. Uh, it was a nothing long ball, which was an amazing first touch from Leighton Brooks, who I think is still only a teenager. Um, mm. And he brought it down and laid it off to D'Agostino, who scored a, a brilliant strike from 25, 30 yards out. And it really lifted the, the game completely changed the energy just flipped and it went from being the most boring game i've watched to one of the most exciting 10 minutes i've watched of mm. the a-league all year um and you know they, they say goals change games and if you can score goals like that um d'agostino's got a huge role to play i loved this goal like you just see everyone on the victory bench after he scored it the camera's like panning around to the victory bench and they're all just like losing their minds <laughs> like at how good the goal was you could see the assistant to the coaches like tapping each other being like how good was that um that's that's what it's all about but uh you mentioned that uh um daggers and and popper that they they love each other like nick ran to to popper yeah to celebrate with him right like mm-hmm. it's it's always a sign that they that a player and a manager have got a really close relationship so well well it wasn't um it wasn't too long ago that dagestino was kind of struggling to to find a contract in the a-league and popovich gave him a a chance at perth glory and and really sort of reignited his career so uh i'm sure he's got a, a real soft spot for popovich um and he'll he'll want to follow him really wherever he goes. Let's hope he doesn't go back to the Greek second division and take daggers with him. <laughs> Was uh, is AAC? He did get sent off uh, late in the game, and we'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. But um, he re- he's returned from overseas to Adelaide this year to play again for the Reds, um, and he's been in not the greatest run of form. And his return has also meant that the very promising Luis Dorigo um, is, is not getting the same amount of minutes as he was last year or even the year before. Do you guys think that uh, Adelaide did the right thing in bringing Isaiah's back or what are your thoughts? Well, the thing about Doritos is, Tommy, you just keep him in the cupboard until you need him. <laughs> and then you, you pull him out when you, you want to entertain. Um, but is he is he's a he's an Adelaide club legend and he's going to bring leadership and experience to the team and and him and one day who are in those roles are, are 34 and 35 so they're not going to necessarily be getting every minute of the game and and you know, then you've got the depth that's good for competition Louis is going to be learning a lot from him and and then with COVID and is he's getting sent off every second game I, I reckon Dorito's got a few minutes in him so so basically what you're saying is uh uh, one day you're going to need the Doritos uh, to, from the cupboard. It's there. It's there. <laughs> you know what? This this might be really harsh, but uh, um, Louis Dorigo gives me real Ben Kantorowski energies. Like he's already Ooh. reached his ceiling. <laughs> Man's not even 20. <laughs> exactly. He's not even 20. He's been playing in the league for three years and he hasn't got any better. Oh, Oof. That's very harsh. I, I think Dorigo, uh, D- Doritos, I guess, is we're now referring to him <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, I think he's a real talent. And, I mean, I, I think he just needs to keep playing. And you don't know how, how high his ceiling can be, I guess. so. Damo's um, a real CC's man. Yeah. I'm Australian <laughs> made. Like Chris, Chris, Chris Coyne? Who's, who's CC? <laughs> Uh, boys, changing tack a little bit. Uh, without a goal in the first quarter of the match, the players broke for drinks break uh, around the 30-minute mark despite cool conditions in Melbourne. Um, Danny Townsend, the CEO of the APL, said that this was a balancing act between football and commercial realities of the league's deal with Channel 10. What do you make of that? I think Danny Townsend has said a lot of things right on social media and in interviews, and this was one he didn't get quite right. Uh, he's put a lot of people offside by saying that. And I don't think, you know, that might be the reality, but, um, you know, I don't think that's what you should be publicly saying. And it, it almost starts to, to create the effect that we're having, you know, timeouts, um, you know, what, what yeah, they no, call no in, basketball, but... in, in basketball and NFL, they call the media timeouts literally. So there can be ads played on TV or radio. So, uh, we don't want to get to that kind of territory. Uh, we're already seeing ads getting shoved in when free kicks and pit players are down. So, uh, you know, that's the reality of being on a, on a mainstream um, network that we all knew was going to happen. But we don't want to be creating stoppages and pauses in the game just for that. 
I think you mentioned uh, the NFL uh, in, in passing there, Damon. I think that's a really good example because in the NFL, they might have an ad, but it'll, it'll be basically a banner and it'll come with audio sort of over a portion of the screen, maybe even a third of the screen, but you still see what's what's on the screen. And I think that would be far less jarring than um, than absolutely just cutting the the feed to the to the football altogether because um, that really does take you out of the, out of the game. And I think well, I think that's, that's what, what SBS SBS did that when they were showing their one A league game a week. They would hmm. um, put an image over a part of the screen and play the audio and sort of picture in picture mode and add if if um, if you will. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I think, think a lot of sorry, Colby. No, that, that's right, boys. Like. Uh, it, it, the, I mean, I hate the drinks break for an ad. I hate like cutting away from the play. Uh, you know, this definitely ain't it. Um, but like Danny's not wrong. Like, uh, like that is the commercial reality that we're in. Like the game needs to commercialize more. If it's going to be viable, free to air product, if it's going to make money um, that way and attract new eyeballs to the game and grow the game in, in, in this country, like we, we're going to need to commercialize it further, but like, yeah, like, like you're both saying it's, it's, it's gotta be in some more innovative and less disruptive way. Well, it, it's one of the reasons why channel 10 was so successful with the big bash is they turned, um, cricket, you know, which test match cricket can go for hours and hours and hours with no breaks. And they turned cricket into start, stop, let's get as many ads and sponsorships and endorsements as we can fit into a short period of time. And it made them millions and millions of dollars. And it was re- and Channel 10 were really successful at doing that. Give us more shirt collar sponsors. We've got space. <laughs> <laughs> Um, boys, moving on though, sadly it did seem inevitable, um, but we're going to be talking about some off-field issues regarding Josh Cavallo. Um, he was subject to homophobic chants at, at Amy Park. What did you make of the the Buck and uh, APL and, and other responses to, to this? APL's response was good. I mean, that's what they had, you know, that that's the perfect response. They, they're going to, you know, they're going to work with police and the stadiums to identify any perpetrators and give them bans. That's what you need to do. PFA, Ad, you know, the clubs, Adelaide, uh, Melbourne, Victory have all strongly condemned. That's what you need to do. But like this whole situation is a mess. Like it's, it's one of those like disappointed but not surprised sort of um, situations where, you know, it was a large contingent of the, the Melbourne Victory fans apparently um which is really disappointing um i think in future other active fans and um, other fans in the stadium need to play a more active role in, in calling it out at the time um, in self-policing self-policing but yeah essentially there's got to be consequences for these people and that that's not even to to talk about the social media aspect but like that's that's where this starts and stops. I think there, there has to be consequences, real world consequences for these, these people that are doing these things. Fair enough. Um, all right. And finally, I guess on a lighter note, um, Isaias's second yellow was allegedly for screaming fuck off uh, when it was, uh, although he, he alleges that he said uh, vamos. So basically it's a like a reverse Bruno from the FFA Cup final a couple of years ago. Do you, do you think he's going to get his uh, get his band overturned though? Oh, who knows? If you if you the footage I saw, it looked like he turned around and gave the big ones to the referee after a, a disallowed goal. You know, just a couple minutes earlier, and you mm. can see on the footage the the ball goes in, and Isaias turns around, looks towards the referee, and yells something. So maybe he did yell "vamos," but who cares? It was it was you know. Um, he was trying to incite a response from the referee and he got one. I love this for the meme tier. It's just yeah. like, yeah, pe- people have loved this and, uh, you know, that's what I love about the league. But actually, um, I don't think too many people are talking about this, but I think it's worth saying is I like that refs are coming down harder on this kind of stuff. You know, Isaias mm. got sent off. We saw Maka get sent off for something at the end of a game the other day. Um, they're not They're not copying it. Like players can't just get in the ref's face at their place of work and yeah just swear at them and all all that kind of stuff so yeah like i'm actually really pleased in a way that this kind of stuff is being um stamped down on so well i i remember a long long time ago when we were probably all juniors playing football and they 
they stamped out any sort of swearing and any swear mm. word was an immediate red card and mm. there was red cards everywhere. And, and I'm pretty sure the English non-league have introduced a, a sin bin system for mm. um, people swearing. So if, if a referee um, catches you, if you get booked a yellow card for dissent, you actually get put in the sin bin for, I think it's five minutes. Um, and then if you do it again, it's an, it's a straight red card. So it's uh you know, there's there's different ways of dealing with it, but it, like you said, Colby, it's good to see that the the A League referees have clearly got a, um, you know, a directive to to focus on on crunching that out of the game. Good stuff. Um, and finally, in the other game that was played in the weekend, uh, this one also in Melbourne, um, City versus Wanderers. This one turned out to be a really strange game. Finished three all. Um, the Wanderers were out of the box quickly, though. Two fantastic goals. Firstly, a screamer from James Teresi and a really great team goal finished off by Jack Rodwell. Um, City, City finally awoke from their slumber and got one back through Dimi Petrato's own goal. Um, both sides also hit the first, uh, sorry, hit the woodwork too, but uh, and this was all in the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, Jamie McLaren got on the score sheet just before halftime with a well-taken headed goal from a corner. Um in the second half, saw Marco Tilio banger before Agawa scored one of the most anticlimactic goals you are likely ever to see. Um, as pretty much everyone on the field seemed to think that um, he was offside, um, but he kept playing, and uh, the the uh, VAR uh, ruled that it was the correct decision that it was offside. Uh, sorry, it was onside that. Um, uh, the city right back uh, Scott Galloway had played him onside. It was a really weird game where both uh, both sides held the lead for uh, for portions of the game and ended up finishing through all. Um, who do you think would be more disappointed with the result? Look, I only tuned in for the second half of this game, and and when I turned it on, it was already two Rip. all. So I think I think I missed a whole a whole exciting part of the game. I did go back and watch the highlights, but I think if so you, you watch go ninety two, minutes, if you, if you go two nil up. Um, and end up not getting three points, you you would feel like you've you've dropped points. I you know as I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Mm. And that's disappointment in yourself. So Western Sydney will be disappointed in themselves, but they would also be disappointed in the officiating as well. Um, they had a penalty waved away. Seemed like uh, Tommy's boy Potato Rusty Griffiths had um, moved his arm and, and handballed a shot that appeared to be going on target. It's debatable whether it was, but in any case, it, it looked to be a pretty clear handball in the box. Where the ref waved it away and it didn't go to VAR, so I think they'd be pretty disappointed by that as well, particularly given their start to the season, and they'd be feeling that yeah, things just aren't aren't going for us. That that penalty was so obvious that uh, my non football watching partner was screaming that that was a handball. Yeah. Uh, so that that's how obvious that handball was. <laughs> I think we all agree that it was a penalty. It should have been a yeah. penalty, right? Yeah. And I guess the the only thing that maybe remains in question is whether or not the uh, the shot was going to be on target and whether or not it saved a goal or whether or not it just has has hit a hand mm. sort of uh, in in flight. And uh, I think I, I said in the in the group chat that. Um, should should it have been a penalty and a red card or, or just a straight-up penalty? And that, I guess, uh, depends on whether or not it was going in or not because Griffiths does – he looks like he kind of moves his arm ever so slightly, but it does look like he moves his arm towards the ball. So, um, yeah, not, not great for – not a great look for him or the officials, I guess, in this instance. It's a shame because we never got to have that debate. Like, that's purely a hypothetical debate now because mm. it never got reviewed by VAR like that. And that's – one of the failings of the system right there. It's just a, a, a clear candidate for VAR needed to get in the ref's ear being like, mate, you want to have another look at this? I, I appreciate that the ref in real time saw it. He's standing there close to it. He didn't think it was a, a penalty, but... That's what VAR's and, there and, for. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that's important stuff to, to get those decisions right. Not? And that's why we brought in VAR to get, yeah, clear and obvious things that refs miss um, to get them officiated properly and, and get a higher percentage of accuracy and correctness in, in the calls. So, yeah, that's an opportunity missed. Boys, uh, Matthew Leckie uh, had another pretty disappointing uh, performance in this one. I remember you guys were saying uh, in the group chat how hard I was on, on Leckie. Uh, 
what were you saying? He was, he's my my auntie boy now. Um, after I was just slamming him pretty much for ninety minutes, um, but boys uh, on on form. Obviously, he's not in great form, but we know what to expect from Lecky in a, in a Socceroos jersey. Does he make the Socceroos squad in the in the next couple of weeks when they play Vietnam? I don't think he deserves a spot on current form, and but I don't hate him as much as you, Tommy. But I, I don't think he deserves a call up. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, on the way he's playing, I don't think he deserves a call up, but. Given, you know, that we're still living in a world with COVID and the game is in Melbourne and Matt, Matt Leckie mm. lives in Melbourne, um, if there's anything that's going to save him from being dropped, it's, it's the fact that it's a conveniency that he's already here. So I think if he's picked, he's not picked on form and he's not going to start. Boys, uh, on the topic of Leckie, uh, does Kisnorba continue to play him, basically to play him into some sort of form, or or does he need to just give him a rest and and, and give him a break and, and give uh, Kolakowski a, a run? It's a tough call, isn't it? Because um, mm. if you're Kolakowski, you're just itching for a chance, but you also mm. want your on-paper supposed to be your best players playing. And like you said, sometimes you can players can play them play themselves into form um so it's it's a tough call and i think he's already he's already uh dropped lecky what was it two weeks ago two games ago rather during the melbourne derby and he just kind of said oh he's unwell or he's unfit and just left him out of the squad in total it was kind of a you've been dropped without having been dropped um and it didn't really make an impact that he thought it would have so yeah it's a tough question and i'm glad i'm not the one making the decision (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting test for Kisnorbo, isn't it? Like you've got a a player um, of Lecky's status coming back into the squad. Um, you know, probably would be Socceroos captain um, if he was if he was still playing at a high enough level, um, and he'd be right in there. Um, but yeah, and it, it it takes courage, I reckon, to to drop big players like that in your team. And and we'll see if Kisnorbo has that if Lecky keeps up the form slump. To see the size of Kisnor based cojones. Um, question from Josh Watson. Uh, we've kind of covered this already uh, over the last couple of weeks, maybe, but Dame, I think you may not have had an opportunity to answer this one. Um, he asks, are teams figuring City out or are they just having a, a hangover with, with no Luna and Moon? Damo? I, I get the feeling that City um, are a bit one dimensional at the moment. And uh, they've they've been easy to defend against for a multitude of reasons. They've got players who aren't in the best form, and we know if if Leckie is is on fire and if McLaren's on fire, they're sort of unstoppable players in the league, and they haven't been. Um, and they're they're very one dimensional in how they attack. They like to get down the wings, they like to get it wide, they like to get it back into the box, and teams have figured that out. So. Um, you know, and I'm sure that's not the only way they play football. I'm sure Patrick Kisnoba has another way that they can they can change and they can adapt. But I don't think he's got the right players to change it yet because they've got so many injuries and so many people out with COVID. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of both, I guess, to, to kind of sit on the fence. They have been figured out, um, but they also uh, they haven't really got the squad to change anything yet. Squad's not quite as deep as it was was last season, is it? Um, all righty, let's. Uh, there's a couple of FFA Cup games uh, midweek. As I mentioned at the top, uh, Adelaide they hosted Melbourne Victory. Uh, Melbourne Victory ended up winning that one two one, uh, which means Adelaide are out of the FFA Cup. Yep, not a warning. They are out of the cup. So someone else has got to win it this year, which is always a good thing. Um, in the other game, Melbourne City they hosted Wellington. Um, this one was played down at, at, at Cheltenham at Bentley Greens Oval. Um, City again, obviously couldn't um, couldn't trouble the scorers. Uh, were were pretty flat from all reports. Uh, Scott Jamison ended up missing two penalties, uh, including one in the shootout. Um, and curiously, Matt Leckie didn't take one of the penalties in the shootout. So um, also kind of strange. Um, and as we said before, uh, it, that obviously leaves the Knicks uh, in the uh, what are the into the quarterfinals now of the FFA Cup. Uh, just means they're only three games away from winning uh, the, the the future Australia Cup. So good stuff there. You love to see it. Next up, a little bit of Premier League chat. Woman. Oh, that's a lovely looking ball. It might fall for me. 
And up comes Dubravka, he doesn't get there. It's headed away from danger, it's Ironside! Cambridge United have scored! Joe Ironside! On the ground where he used to idolise Alan Shearer. Has made it 1-0. Dubravka is down, Newcastle hopeful of a foul. VAR are going to check it. Look at that. It is the tightest of margins. What is the outcome? It's a goal. All right, so uh, obviously there was some FA Cup that was broadcast over the weekend. Plenty of games that were played there. Um, we'll, we'll cover just a, a quickly a couple of the key results that, that happened. First up, Newcastle, they hosted Cambridge. Uh, Cambridge, or I think, uh, pretty sure they're in League One. Maybe they're in League Two, I can't remember. Um, but uh, Cambridge ended up taking this one out 1-0, which means Cambridge have beaten just as many Premier League opposition as Newcastle have this season. But uh, I've got that. a good fact to get Cambridge. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I love uh, good facts. So mm-hmm. their manager, Mark Bonner, who used to play for the club uh, as a he's a boy it's his boyhood club. He was given the caretaker job at Cambridge United when they were sitting 19th in League Two. Ooh. He ended up keeping them safe. They won League Two and got promoted to League One. And now they've gone and beat Newcastle away in the third round of the FA Cup and a sold out St James's Park. So he's done pretty well for himself in the last 18 months. And at 36 years old to be having Ooh. a managerial job is uh, is a feat in itself. So it's pretty impressive. Absolute scenes. Another player who, or another player that's uh, that's at Cambridge is Wes Hulan. You remember the injury problems that he had at Newcastle. I think everyone thought that he was finished. But he's uh, he's still playing. Uh, Finish? No, he's so. Irish, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, other other results that happened was Arsenal lost one nil to Nottingham Forest, and as I saw someone say on social media, this was just a team with two uh, Champions League titles beating a team with none. So um, <laughs> we're just the expected result there, um, uh, boys. I want to want to know who uh, would like to know your thoughts on this one. Who's living uh, most on their continental championships more? Uh, Wanderers or Nottingham Forest fans? <laughs> well, I don't know enough um, Forest fans to, mm. <laughs> to be able to tell you, but I know that Wanderers fans, they don't stop talking about it. So I assume Forest would be the same. Oh, Although Forest. I don't think there'd be many Forest fans alive that saw them win the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that they haven't even been in like the top division in the UK for almost 20 years. I think uh, 96 they, or 97 I read this morning was the last time they played in the top flight. Which, which is pretty grim, but the fact that they still reference something that happened, oh, massive achievement, but still it happened uh, 30 years ago or 35 years ago. is, is Longer. It was in the 70s, wasn't it? The I late it was 70s? The early 80s. I thought it was the early 80s. Yeah, yeah right. We might be wrong. Oh, let's say oh, at least 35 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kidderminster uh, in the second tier of non-league football. So was that the sixth? Year of, of English football, they uh, beat EFL Championship side Reading. Um, and oh, yep, someone's filled in a little bit of extra detail. What are they? Seventy nine places apart in the football league ladder. So I'm going to assume that was Damo that put that into the run shape form. Kidderminster <laughs> <laughs> uh, host West Ham in the fourth round, and that would just be so on brand for West Ham to lose to a, uh, a team what probably eighty odd places below them in the in the football league. Oh, well, not even in the football league, like just in the English football pyramid. I um, so I did, they'd be, I did they'd be tempted to play the kids, but now they're actually playing the kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> play the kids against the kids. <laughs> I did. I did see. Uh, uh, I think it's a Leeds fan who I follow on Twitter. I can't remember their name, and they said, "I'm glad that." I'm glad that Leeds didn't beat West Ham because it would be really Leeds to lose against Kidderminster in the <laughs> FA Cup. So yeah, uh, everyone thinks they're going to lose. Does Did you everyone see think their they're going to lose to to non league uh, team? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny enough, Kidderminster play in the um, the sixth tier, so the second tier of non league. I think they're in the Conference North, um, mm. and they're actually a full time professional football club. So every single one of their players are full time professional. Um, mm. They're not part time players. Interestingly enough, I, I had a look today um, at that, and it's funny because at that level, the top two tiers of non league football are now the vast majority of clubs are fully professional clubs. 
That's wild. And, I mean, it obviously means it's a pretty difficult situation for all the players in the club with uh, with COVID over the last um, year or so, but still it's a pretty incredible achievement nonetheless. It means that there's plenty of money there, I guess, doesn't it? Um, one final point, I guess, on the F, uh, the FA Cup uh, third round, and I just thought it was a strange uh, like factoid about um, this round was that obviously you've got a, a lot of different clubs from varying um, levels in the English pyramid. Um but with uh, with the third round, uh, games where uh, a Premier League team is the host, um, they have VAR in those matches, but where there's no Premier League host, so it's a team from the championship or below, there's no VAR. So do you think they've taken the right approach to that, that basically if, if they can have VAR, it has it, but uh, rather than just no VAR at all games? Does that mm, make sense? It's an, inter- it's, it's an interesting one because I think... Um you know, they would assume that come the quarterfinals or maybe even the round before that, that the vast majority of the teams left will have VAR. So they want VAR to be around for the pointy end of the comp, but so they can't say no VAR until the fourth round. Like they can't do something like that. So, but they will want it for those, you know, semifinals and final particularly. Um, I I don't know what the best way to do it is. Maybe this is the best way to do it, but it just seems a bit odd that, teams that can't afford it the technology just can't afford to have it there yeah i think it's a good idea until there's a very um line ball call that doesn't benefit a small team at a ground who doesn't have um var and so i think when uh kidderman's to get robbed against west ham because they don't have (laughs) var exactly (laughs) I think it was in the Kidderminster-Reading game. I think Reading had a goal that maybe should have, have stood and VAR might have caught it back. But um, obviously that one worked in the favour of the smaller team. So um, it, it wasn't maybe the big issue that it was that, that it could have been. But, um, yeah, interesting. Boys, a couple of transfers have actually been completed in the Premier League. Uh, I think Watford have already signed four players and none of them are anyone that anyone has ever heard of before. Um, but then you've got um, Kieran Trippier. has gone from Atletico Madrid to Newcastle, rumoured fee of around £12 million. We've talked about that, I guess, a little bit before, but now that it's actually happened and he actually played, he started for Newcastle against Cambridge. How big a success is he is he going to be? Can can he help to solidify that defense and keep Newcastle up this season? It doesn't seem so. I mean, Trippi is not known for being a uh, an out and out, you know, rock of a defender. He's more known for his getting down the wing and getting balls into the box sort of defense. So I don't know. It's it's a good signing for the fans to be excited about, but I don't know how well it's going to to do and help keeping them up. I feel like if that is their statement signing and they don't go out and sign Dembele or something ridiculous like that, um, and that's their statement sign and the rest are just really serviceable, Premier League quality uh, players and, and that's what helps them stay up, then I feel like it's it's been a great signing. But if, if Trippier is sort of the tip of the iceberg in, sort of in, in terms of the approach that they're taking, then, yeah, geez, got to help Newcastle. Imagine him, um, like, just bombing past Matt Ritchie on the left flank, two ones of left feet, just going, going at it. Well, where to start with that? Um, moving on though, uh, Philippe Coutinho, he's uh, gone on loan from Barcelona to Aston Villa. Uh, this really just sort of came out of nowhere. I think that everyone was more looking towards Coutinho going maybe to Newcastle. Uh, boys, can he can he dislodge uh, Colby's boy, um, uh, Buendia at not? Well, but Buendia hasn't really fired this year, has he? So, mm. um, but I, I thought the funny part here is that Gerard's finally getting Coutinho feeding Danny Ings like he wanted a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but v- Villa are interesting because, um, and you might you might have been getting to it, Tommy. Uh, Luca Dean is is rumored to go to Villa as well for about twenty to twenty five million pounds. Um, been linked with a few different clubs, and. Villa have the third richest owners in the Premier League. Um, they've got Steven Gerrard, who's their manager, who's a big draw card. People want to play under an, an icon of the game like him. So, you know, Villa are doing doing well in the, in the market and, and having good results at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do. I think 
a lot of a lot of Villa fans and a lot of Premier League uh, aficionados would would think that yeah, Matt Target he's a he's a serviceable Premier League quality uh, fullback. But I mean, if if Luca Dean's on the table and he, he's interested in going to Villa, he'd be be a fool not to upgrade when whenever you can, basically. So um, always shows their quality in yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway. Always better to get quality players in. If you can get a quality player in who improves your squad, then you just get them in. Yeah, and I guess the the funny thing I thought was that I, I thought it was just a virtually a done deal that he was going to Chelsea, but it looks like um, Villa Villa might end up hijacking the deal, or who knows, maybe it could just be a little bit of agent talk to uh, to maybe get the deal across the line at Chelsea. So I guess we'll have to see. Um, finally, one little bit of gossip that and I don't normally try to buy into too much of the, the transfer gossip when it comes to the pod, but there were two two really juicy ones. The first one was Luca Dean, and the other one, which I only just saw, was Chris Wood from Burnley to Newcastle, which I've got to say, that that is not one that I saw coming before about uh, 45 minutes ago when I first saw it. And, um, I mean, with... Um, with Callum Wilson out injured for at least the next month and a half, possibly longer, maybe two, two and a half months, um, and he already doesn't have the greatest injury uh, injury record, they're, they're going to need probably another player to play out front. And if even uh, even if uh, Wilson is back, even just to add as a little bit of extra competition, um, they could do a lot worse than, than Chris Wood, couldn't they? He's, he's a great player. And I, I think a big part of the deal would also, it means that... Um, it significantly weakens Burnley, who's a relegation rival of theirs. Mm. So that's another part of the transfer is, mm. is you know, Newcastle are playing 4D chess with this with this move. <laughs> I think um, the the other thing is is that whilst two years ago I would have said, yeah, there's a there's a good chance that this will happen, but with with Burnley's new owners, I, I can't say why that they would go, yeah, all right, we'll we'll sell him if a if a ten million dollar um, or pound bid. Uh, comes in, whereas now they might go, yeah, it's fine. We're happy to see Chris Wood, uh, Chris Wood leave uh, when they've already got sort of three strikers queued up, ready to ready to pull the trigger on um, uh, over this uh, over this transfer window. So um, it's going to be very interesting, and I'm sure Jesse will be watching this one very keenly to see how it develops, uh, being a Kiwi too. So yeah, um, we need we need Jesse's take on this if it eventuates for sure. Yeah, he'll score no, a lot okay. of goals in the championship, Chris Wood. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, is he going to be scoring them at Burnley or Newcastle in the championship? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter which club he's at. <laughs> exactly. He's got to bang him in. And I just, Tommy, before we before we move on or wrap up, I've got to, got to correct the record. I said Kieran Trippi will be bombing up the left. Obviously, he's a right back. So, listeners, please just stay out of our mentions for that one. <laughs> Like I said, I was like, "Oh, where to start with this?" But uh, yeah, appreciate the, the don't don't get in our don't get in our comments for that. <laughs> Wait, the pod's gonna get cancelled because you said that, Colby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh dear. All right, but uh, like you say, Colby, that that pretty much wraps things up for this week. Um, it's been uh, a little bit shorter than normal with not a lot of football being played. But as we said, there's still been uh, plenty to talk about, though. Uh, so. Please sure to tune in next week. Until then, enjoy the football.